Welcome to After the Bell with your host, Lauren Cranmer. This is a podcast for cancer thrivers. I am really excited to get this first episode out there because we are talking to Molly, who has some really amazing insight, and she just actually finished radiation, and she is quite literally starting life after the bell. Now, Molly is a wife, she's a mom of two, and she's a jujitsu brown belt, but she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer and went on to get treated with curative intent. Now, we had some issues with our audio when recording, um, so the sound may be a little bit low quality, but I will assure you that the content of the video is high quality. With that being said, here is Molly. We are here, guys, with Molly Jimenez. Tell us a little bit about who you are as a person just outside of the whole breast cancer world. I grew up as in the construction field my dad put me on a framing crew when I was 13 and so I am familiar with just like hard physical things from a pretty young age um I my mom is a very strong woman she's also a cancer survivor I've seen like what it's like to go through some of the worst experiences she's a actually uh um leukemia survivor and bone marrow, bone marrow so um and then my dad is also a cancer survivor and oh my gosh we have a lot of cancer in my family so yeah just I, I've been through my fair share of hard things I um been training jujitsu for a while I have two kids almost three and eleven um I've been through a divorce I've just you know done hard things before this I feel like I was prepared to go through some of these things um that I went through this last year but yeah I'm you've been through the ringer now I just yeah <laughs> you know my last uh radiation two days ago so I'm done Ooh. with this <laughs> I'm kind of in this weird the weird like post treatment um survival phase I guess you know that is something that I feel like not a lot of people talk about the like after treatment ends and you're kind of just in this limbo of you just finished active cancer everybody's like oh yeah you're done like that's amazing but then you're kind of left with this like heaviness of like what's to come like just it's a whole new world I honestly feel like that is the hardest part (laughs) it's it's after all of the active treatment and all of that like heavy support. Cause when you're in active treatment, I feel like you feel like a lot of people are more aware of that. So they're just cheering you on and then you ring that bell and you know, it kind of, everybody kind of simmers down and it's you're left with all that like turmoil to figure out. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's something that I feel like, you know, we need to talk about a little bit more in the cancer world because you could be hit with that and not realize it's going to happen. And uh, so I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because I have, I was there myself well, as I well. Think, yeah. And I'm super grateful. That's something that I heard from you too, for sure. Um, like that's something I've seen you talk about and that was helpful for me to kind of know like, Oh, okay. This is where, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily end through treatment. And what I've found is I think that like we're we're not it seems to me like we're not really processing everything while we're going through treatment. 
I think we're kind of just like we built a bridge over it and we're doing we're getting through and like surviving and there's still just this like raging river underneath us and we're like don't yes. look down don't look down like I'm <laughs> that's such a good way to describe it yeah like you're going across this like rickety bridge and you're so focused on just surviving and then right. like you there's all this stuff under the surface and it, it kind of pops up like the emotions and it, it's very um there's a lot of stuff that's there that you kind of don't you're just putting it to the side and then all of a sudden you're done with treatment and I think that's when things start really coming up no it's it's not a great place to be in and I think you have to really you know there's so much work to be done mentally and even obviously physically the healing part but you know though I was talking to somebody about the things not to say (laughs) to a cancer patient and I made a whole video on it um but one of the things I heard a lot is, you know, are you back to normal or like, you know, everything good now kind of things like that. And, you know, right after you finish all of that stuff, like it is anything but normal. You don't even feel like yourself. You don't look like yourself for the most part. And it's just, it's a wild ride. <laughs> so you finish radiation. Um, take us kind of back to what you've already done treatment wise like what like what was your cancer diagnosis and then what were you doing for treatment until this point well first of all I had uh, I had found a lump about eight months before I realized it was really big and really scary um, I was breastfeeding at the time and I found like about a probably about the size like the size of a marble and I went in for just a regular checkup with my midwife. I showed it to her. She was not concerned about it. She said, I think she probably said, keep an eye on it. Of course, she didn't. I just thought, oh, it's not anything. And then because I do jujitsu, like we have some, you know, you don't necessarily notice when you get like bumps and bruises and things like that. Um, so I had like bruising on my breast where the tumor was. Like there was like, it looked like a bruise that hurt. And I thought, oh, I must have caught a knee or something. Or, you know, I just assumed there was an injury. And then that was kind of something I overlooked because of that. So I think that was, you know, the tumor was really growing quickly. There was, um, you know, discoloration, like firmness. I thought, oh, scar tissue or something. Yeah. So I had all these like, uh, I was super tired every time and this is something that I think I probably need to do like a reddit post because I don't know how many times I googled fatigue before ovulation because I felt sick right before ovulation like dead tired like that kind of tired before you come down with the flu and I was like something's wrong something's wrong and I googled it over and over again and nobody ever said there's nothing out there that links that to breast cancer. I think that that's just, my theory is that's what it is. Um, I don't have like confirmation about that. There's no, there's no research on that. Um, yeah. But that's where your estrogen peaks. And my cancer is 95% estrogen fed. I had a similar experience with my, um, with my period as well. I was a very regular woman, like, I could account for the dates that I was going to get my period. And um, 
the last few months prior to me being diagnosed or actually prior to pregnancy, um, I had a longer, uh, a longer cycle, which I, I even thought to myself, this is the weirdest thing. I, I thought I was pregnant the, a couple of times because it was like lasting so long for me. And in hindsight, I'm just like, I wonder if there, that was something at play. Cause I also had, I think it was 95% estrogen as well. And yeah. it, it definitely makes me ask that question too, how it affects your cycle and the way you normally, um, you know, menstruate. To me, it seems like there's a lot of issues with, you know, like, I feel like just women's issues of like issues with our menstrual cycle get kind of swept under the rug. You see a lot of women with endometriosis that take, you know, there's not a great way to diagnose endometriosis other than like to go in there surgically and see what's going on. Um, and so women that I know that have had issues with endometriosis, like there is years and years of pain and issues yeah. and, you know, like, and there's just so much of this, oh, yeah, you just push through, you, you know, whatever, oh, just take on my doll, and, you know, I had very, very, very bad periods, so something was wrong with my system, my hormones, like right. something was going on with my body, and I knew it, <laughs> so when I found, um, I realized, like, there was a very large lump about the size of a golf ball in my breast and there was like some puckering like swelling of the skin that there was something going on with my nipple like I realized um I knew it was cancer immediately just because of all the other stuff going on as soon as I I found that last March I knew it was cancer and I had it I found it like four days before we left on our first family vacation um that we were able to have as we went to Hawaii and I wow. just knew I think my husband was in denial um but I I definitely made the best of that vacation uh, and then when I came back there was some delay in um getting diagnostic imaging I think there's some backup from just like routine screening through COVID and so um I was like a month out even just to get imaging after I came back so it was about six weeks from when I found it to when I was diagnosed um and then after that was the staging and um I was diagnosed at stage four but I had one spot on my spine that looked like a, a lytic lesion it lit up and there was you know some like basically looked like cancer in one of my vertebrae and then I also had like my superclavicular lymph nodes that I think a little some on this side one on this side and then my mediastinal and hilar lymph nodes like kind of deeper in my chest lit up so all of that stuff to stage four breast cancer but because it was in such few places they chose to go after it with what they call curative intent. So basically the treatment that I got was the same as if I had stage three breast cancer. Now, I was like a little bit in denial because I've had back issues and I had an MRI in 2019. I kept saying, hey, like, look at the MRI. Could it be from something else? And I also had an upper respiratory infection um, like two weeks before that first PET scan. Um, so I had my, both my surgeon, 
my surgical oncologist and my medical oncologist, they diagnosed it as stage four. And when I kept bringing it up, they're like, no, I know you like wanted to be something else. It's stage four. Like they were, <laughs> and I was kind of holding on to hope. And then I finally, after I was done with um, chemo and um, surgery, I talked to my um, the radiation oncologist and I said, hey, this, you know, still like holding on to hope, like months and months later, I said, hey, could this be something else? And he yeah. said, yes, it should be. So I'm kind of in a weird, like I'm, I'm holding on to the hope that it, it was stage three. Um, but I'm also prepared. I've lived with this stage four diagnosis. Um, and as far as treatment goes at this point, it doesn't make any difference. So I had, I had the, um, you know, ACT treatment, the adriamycin cytoxin and Taxol. I did the dosense Taxol and then it was, was super painful. Um, I don't know if like the Taxol, it's nice to get it done with. Quickly, I had pain, like nerve pain, like you wouldn't believe. Oh, jeez. You that have gone through the same thing doing the four instead of the 12. Um, so just to be aware, I got through it with some pain medication and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to just kind of get it done quicker. And then I had a single mastectomy without reconstruction. And I did another thing I was able to like kind of shorten the time on is I did 16 rounds of radiation instead of the 25 that they used to do. So there was recently a study that came out of China that they replicated up at the University of Utah um, but I think my radiologist was actually or my radiation oncologist I don't know the differences um, but he I think he was involved in the, in the study um, it hasn't their study hasn't been published yet but he felt comfortable doing 16 instead of the 25 so kind of got things somewhat fast track um and I just finished with that so that isn't that's just a lot I mean cancer period is a lot and then you had to deal with the mental aspect of the diagnosis being kind of up I mean while they were saying stage four and then you got the 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 okay from your radiation oncologist saying it's possible that it could be something else I feel like that just opened so many other doors for your brain to go so I can only imagine, you know, your, your thoughts that you battle with, but I love that you want to try to just focus on the fact that the possibility of it being, you know, a stage three diagnosis, because I think that is huge for going forward, like having that hope and maintaining that to, to just live your life the best that you can. There's never a really like clear answer, right? Like, it's just, you wish you, you had this like firm, like complete answer of, what is this going on with my body? Yeah. And well, and something that I've learned too from like some of the groups um, that I've been a part of, I really appreciate the Facebook cancer support group. There's like some under 40 groups that I think are like really important. If you're under 40, like things are just a little bit different. We have young children. We have, you know, we're like, it's really a tragedy when you're, young and I mean it's 
cancer sucks for anybody, but when you're young and you're going through this, it's brutal. It's not, it's not fair. And so I think we have like other women that we can relate with and um, that's everything. Um, So some, you know, the stage four under 40 groups, there's a lot of hope there too. You know, stage four isn't the death sentence that it used to be. And, you know, there's a lot of different treatments out there. There's new treatments coming out all the time. It sounds morbid, but the goal is to prolong life. But really, it can be like 20 years, you know, 20 years. And then we're all part of the new wave of statistics, too. So I I think hope is everything. Whatever you can hold on to, whatever stories you can hold on to, don't go down the rabbit hole of like worst case scenario. Prepare yourself, like have that in mind. Because I think when you, like, we want to take it, you know, we want to appreciate the fact that we're alive today and and really like live that blessing. Um, And so I think awareness of worst case scenario is a benefit. so your quality of life, uh, but I think that it, you have to hold on to every little bit of hope. Is there anything that you do to kind of, because I'm sure regardless of how much you're holding on to the hope, there's got to be, you know, the negative thoughts and, you know, the things that just creep in that could affect your mental health. Like, do you have anything that you do to kind of combat that or things that you say to yourself um, that that help you kind of get out of that that negative space I think um besides jujitsu I don't know (laughs) yeah jujitsu was very helpful um (laughs) I was able to train through chemo and so just feeling alive like anything you can do really to feel alive and feel a little bit like yourself when you're in the middle of the suck I think is such a great tool to like get those parts of your identity like in bits and pieces because you just don't feel like yourself when you're going through the treatment um as far as like the doom and gloom for and I am sure well I'm not sure but I (laughs) imagine this maybe doesn't work for a lot of people but uh I go to the worst case scenario and I just realize like it's going to be okay. Like that's, it's morbid. Um, but you know, I've had friends that like, I, I lost a really good friend, um, who was, you know, family to us. He was an uncle to my oldest son. And I see his wife and his kids are okay. You know, they are like they will survive without us. You know, they the people that we love, they will be they will survive, they'll go on, they'll move forward. And that sucks to think about, but it's it's gonna be okay. Worst case scenario is is gonna be okay. And we're gonna yeah. be dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right? <laughs> like we're not gonna yeah. be suffering. I understand yeah. totally what you're getting, and that's very like a real like true thought process going back to you having a lot of cancer in your family how do you think that has impacted your your experience in um a a helpful way or even 
what kind of, and helpful in the sense of knowing about cancer, because I feel like some people might be diagnosed and they've never dealt with cancer in their, you know, family, friends, and that is a whole, it just, it's a whole nother world. So knowing a little bit about it, maybe experiencing it while it's awful and why do you have to keep continually deal with it? Do you think it has has aided in any kind of your your journey? Yeah. Um time. Uh I think like one thing that I think is really important to share. I'm just like an I like natural remedies. Like I and I you're the same. Like you I have your, you. you know, like, <laughs> Like, I'm just, like, you know, kind of crunchy, like, not, you know, I'd rather, like, eat healthy. Like, granola-esque. Like, <laughs> yes, I am. I'm not somebody who's, like, oh, yeah, just, like, you know, pop a pill and whatever. Like, I'm very, you know, I've used medication, like, sparingly in my life. Um, I I believe in, like, holistic approaches to health. Um and so I want to say, like, and share for anybody out there who struggles with, you know, these chemotherapy drugs and, you know, all this, like, you know, big pharma stuff and, you know, all, like, has this, like, gut reaction to, you know, I had a lot of people, oh, I would never, I would never do chemo. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I understand, you know, it's scary. Yeah. Um and I just remember, like, first of all, seeing my parents go through it and just anecdotally, everyone I know who didn't do what was recommended is not alive today. Everyone I know who did is. So that's my, and, and at least three people I know personally. That's huge. And others that I know of. Yeah. So yeah um yeah how do you not like how do you not base your opinions off of the direct impact that has been on you about those distinct factors that has to be you know very you know it it has to change how you think about it all yeah and I just I had this um I had this moment before I did chemo I was like man this is hard I'm gonna put this stuff in my body and I just I shifted my mindset to think this is powerful medicine. Like I got away from any of the, oh, you're putting poison in your body or like, this is powerful medicine. We are on the same team. I am putting my faith mm-hmm. in the people behind this medicine, not the corporations, not the, you know, the people behind it because there are great human beings that have dedicated their lives for very personal reasons to developing this stuff to fight cancer and I believe in them and I believe that like it's it's powerful medicine there are are side effects from it but we're working together and I will do everything I can to heal and recover and and be as healthy as I can afterwards (laughs) so it was made to be life-saving yeah you know so it's it's that delicate it's not like you're your casual person just taking medication every day to, to aid a side effect this is something that was created to save lives and it is a drastic it's a drastic situation you know it's not light we obviously clearly have intense side effects but um 
it's, I understand that it's hard to, I didn't want to, that was my worst fear in all of this. I was like, what was chemo going to be like? And then uh, when I first was diagnosed, like, what do I need chemo? I, you know, there's so much fear around it. Um, it's, you know, I love your mindset about, you know, this is working with me and it's not against you. This is going to help you. I think that is a huge shift that um, could really help dictate your, your infusion days. Uh, I had a really great team. I had, um, I had a female surgeon and a female anesthesiologist. And <laughs> I think I, um, like the, the thought of like men with knives, you know, I think of like surgeons and like, you know, this like brutal thing is like this vision of like men with knives cutting me open. And it's like so <laughs> dramatic. But that was like, I had so much fear about the mastectomy. Like that was a really big thing in my head to be unconscious. So totally helpless and to be at the mercy of somebody else, like cutting me open and like digging stuff out of my body. I, that was a hard thing for me that I had a female surgeon who was just so calm and just like very, she had this very peaceful energy and very soft spoken and very matter of fact and a lot of empathy and how she talked and she, and a lot of experience too. Um, she was just an angel. For me were you looking for a, were for female um surgeons doctors or is this just kind of how it happened it was just how it happened uh, but that was definitely something in my head I think that if I I, I don't remember it, that you know how it is like in the beginning everything's a blur um yeah I but I it was definitely something in my head that I I would have pushed for if I hadn't been um given a female breast surgeon and I think that Huntsman in particular understands how important that is and I think they have several female um, surgeons that do the, the breast surgery up there. That's really important to have somebody who can connect you know I know doctors aren't not all doctors are made equal and not you know you can have a really good doctor and they not have good bedside manner or able to communicate and I'm not discounting them we all need good doctors whether they could chat like talk to you in the right way or not but within the cancer realm I think that is so huge to have somebody who could empathize and take care of you in a gentle way and just make you feel safe aside from the fact that they have to treat you clinically so I love that you were able to to have that because that changes so much yeah yeah my well my my medical oncologist I think he's a he's a character um he's maybe not one of those that I connected with right away um but I I do think he's very good at what he does and his his PA is phenomenal so that made a big difference because there was a lot of times that I saw her as I was going through chemo um yeah, I think he's one of those that's really good at what he does. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, just not the most personable, like, aware personality. Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And sometimes it's hard to discern, you know, how somebody's acting versus, like, their, their medical care. So I'm glad that you're able to see that 
through because it's not easy at all. Um, are you, have, have you ever been in a situation, um, where you had to like advocate for your part of your treatment at all? Like where there was any confusion? Cause I know that happens a lot where, um, you know, there's just portions of treatment that you're, that you don't feel comfortable with, or even just how it's going. Was there anything like that for you? Yeah, there were, um, a couple of things that I caught and I'm kind of think off the top of my head, like I was, oh gosh, I can't remember right now. Um, but there was a couple of little things where I questioned it and it, they were glad that I questioned what was going on because, you know, that people are busy and there's a lot going on. And so I think it is really important to have, you know, yourself or your caregiver um, really paying attention because chemo messes with your head too. Like chemo brain is really yeah. hard. <laughs> I still feel like I'm struggling with it. I'm not great at yeah. remembering things. Um, I had a seroma, which can happen when you have lymph nodes removed in your armpit. That's just like a complication that can happen from a mastectomy. Um, but it just, it got infected, which is a risk of like draining the seroma. So the seroma is super painful anyway. It's just a collection of fluid, but it's like really protein-rich fluid. So bacteria love to colonize. Like a lot of food for bacteria. And every time you stick a needle in to get the fluid out, you're risking um, introducing bacteria into there. So I have like, you know, this, the risk was there and I got that problem and so then I had an infection and an abscess and had to have that taken care of like cut open and like the wound packing and so I had that was frustrating I mean any complications I think that you have could be really frustrating really draining um and you just kind of have to just pick one foot up and put it down in front of the other one and keep moving forward and um my my sister-in-law was my angel when it comes to knowing exactly what to say you were saying how like people just say the wrong thing all the time <laughs> to cancer patients but my niece that has lupus um and she also uh, is a cancer survivor um and she has a lot of you know she's waiting for the ability to have a kidney transplant just to be a certain amount of time post cancer in order to even be eligible for a kidney transplant this is like limping along on the edge of dialysis right now and it's been a, a long long haul for them and how old is she is 17 now 16? oh my gosh i think she's 17 um and she was I want to say like 11 when she was first diagnosed with lupus. It destroyed her kidneys. Um, she went through hell with that. So my sister-in-law, as her caregiver, she has been through all of it with her. And so she knows what to say <laughs> to me when I'm having a hard time. And um, so throughout this whole thing, I mean, just like having somebody there who 
knows how it feels and how much it sucks and um that's been been huge for me I'm glad that you have that because a lot of people you know it's hard for them to find or have somebody that just like gets it even on a different you know from a different lens like that is I feel for her that she's had to experience that with her her daughter that is just heartbreaking and you know sometimes I even I don't know about you but I feel like you know I I've said this multiple times like I'd rather it be me than my kids or anything you know anybody else because you just like don't want that for anybody else you know like so being a mother I I can only imagine what she's been through and it's amazing that she's still able to show up for you um in that way so that's a beautiful thing for sure yeah I, I don't know if you felt that way too like for me it's healing to help other people yeah that's all I, I feel like I don't know if it's like a healing thing you know it's part of the healing process but um I I it's almost like I want to I saw all those gaps right like you see all the things that you felt you needed or you see all the holes whether it's in treatment and how you were treated or all of these things but and it's like nobody nobody knows. So you almost want to, or I personally, I want to almost fill those gaps and fill those holes and, and try to do something to, to help somebody who else was in that dark place, you know? So I'm sure it, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, all the things like I wish that I would have heard from somebody else. I want to share those. Is there um, Is there anything that you would recommend if somebody was listening to this and they were a caregiver, you know, or a friend or family member, whatever it is, that you could kind of give them a little advice from your perspective, from your experience that would be beneficial to say if maybe they don't, you know, don't know how to approach somebody with cancer? I think just ask. I think you, you really have to, like when you're empathizing with somebody get the information on how they're doing because like there's days you're okay you know and if if people come to you with a lot of like negativity because they assume you know they're they're trying to empathize with you and they're saying oh man this must be so hard you must be having such a hard time right now I always like that like there's days you're you're good you know you have good days like I, I look back at this year that I had I had I still had a great year with like really beautiful moments in the middle of all this shit that I had to go through, you know? Um, and so don't just assume like, oh, it's so terrible because then you're, you're bringing the energy down, you know, just like really truly ask, Hey, how's it going? How are you feeling today? You know, how, how can I support you today is, I don't know, like, everybody's so different because there's people, for me, it was helpful to share. Um, and I think, you know, it seems like you're the same, like, it's helpful to share what's going on and in the hopes of, like, helping somebody else out. Also, a lot of women that they don't want anybody to know. It's a very private mm-hmm. thing for them. Their health is very private. Um, and there's, you know, for me as a jujitsu player, like I'm like, you know, I like to like, like to fight, like fighting 
resonates with me. Like I am a fighter and there are a lot of people, the fighting language. Yeah. But like the, the language to say, Oh, you're a fighter. You're a warrior. That doesn't resonate with them. They don't like the idea of being a fighter. They don't feel like a fighter. They're just surviving. And so I think it's really important to understand, like, don't make assumptions and just ask, like, how people feel, what they think, like, try to get to know um, what people want and need from you as a, a friend or caregiver or family member. I think that's really important is to kind of meet the person where they're at. And if you don't know where they're at, communicate, you know, even express, I do not know what to say, but I want to know how you're feeling. (laughs) Or, you know, I think there's ways to open the door if you don't know how. Um, But, but definitely agree with the just simply, you know, open that communication if and if they want to take it, they will. And if they don't, they don't. But you're right. Everybody is so different um, in how they in the, how they heal. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this and bring you on and talk about different everybody's different stories because you know it's so unique. While we have so much in common, you know, we have breast cancer treatment and all those things. You know, my my and your experiences are completely different just because of who we are. And um, it's so, I think that part is important because we, from like a bird's eye view, people see, you know, you get diagnosed, you get treatment, and then you're all good. <laughs> or until, you know, I mean, there's like a very um, cliche way to envision cancer. Um, and it's just not the reality. And um, so I think it's important to level for sure with people. So we, we got you up to where you are now in terms of finishing radiation. What is next for you in terms of your treatment? Meet with the medical oncologist in a couple of weeks. Um, the, as far as I know, what is typical with a stage four diagnosis, even with like this curative intent, is that you still have to do PET scans every few months. Um, but that that decision will be up to the the medical oncologist. I think there's one more medication type that they will put me on. There'll probably be a little bit of um, kind of trial and error. Like some people have terrible side effects and have to adjust medication. There's multiple options for it. I'm on I'm on Lexapro right now, which is a aromatase inhibitor. So basically, just like um, estrogen from working in my body I think is how it works um and then I also blocks the conversion from androgens to estrogens okay cool um (laughs) and then yeah I have a a four week every four weeks I get a a little implant injected that shuts down my ovaries so that's what I'm doing right now and then the next one will be and this is what they talked about like back in the beginning just kind of hey these are all the steps um so there's a cdk46 inhibitor um is the like next type of medication that i will be on long term um most likely so that's kind of what i'm anticipating but we'll be i don't know if there'll be like another pet scan sometime soon to see 
you know, how things work with, like, radiation um, and surgery and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, so I'm still kind of in a little bit of an unknown right now until I meet with a medical oncologist again. What are your, do you have goals for life right now? Like, what, obviously, you have your, your cancer goals, taking medication and, you know, keeping that far at bay. But in terms now that you are done with radiation um, and you're starting to heal, obviously, with your body, what what are you looking forward to? Like, What are your goals now that you've kind of passed this specific point in your treatment? Yeah, that, that's a really hard question because that's the thing that I'm like struggling with the most right now is, you know, it's like gone from am I going to see my kids grow up to like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Cause I, I stopped working when I had that stage four diagnosis. It was like, I don't, I mean, I already made that decision before I got the results back from the PET scan was if it's stage four, I'm not going to work because I want to spend as much time with my kids as possible. So I stopped working. Um, I was managing a jujitsu program. I'm still kind of, I'm, Still, like involved it was it was something that was really important to me for several years um kind of like my baby you know I was part of it from the very beginning um so that was hard to let go of but now I just I don't know like I have all these options I feel like I've gone through this rebirth in my life and now I'm just kind of out in outer space thinking like okay what now you know I mean I know that I want to I know I don't have any time for BS like my bullshit meter my bullshit tolerance is like gone <laughs> I don't want to do anything yeah I don't want to do anything I don't want to do you know I'm not going Love to that. do anything I don't want to do <laughs> Like, if, if it's not a, I, guess, I don't know, if I probably shouldn't swear on here. <laughs> if it's not a yes. F yes, it's a hell no. <laughs> um, so that's where I'm at. I mean, I just, like, I am going to take some time to get caught up on all the, the things that really fell behind. I'm working with a mindset coach who works with jujitsu athletes. I don't know if you've heard of Diggy Yoon. She's uh, amazing. Um, but she's like, therapy for some reason hasn't like, clicked with me when I tried therapy. Um, but coaching just feels more kind of, I don't know, like it just resonates with me better. Like the, the, coaching relationship so I'm working with her on like just kind of figuring out how to shift my mindset and start to set goals again um and maybe maybe be able to answer that question sometime in the near future (laughs) but really I just I I want to just enjoy my life and time with my kids I think that that is Perfectly, like a great answer to, and to, I think it's important for people to know that it's okay to just not know what to do after 
all of this. You know, I think that there is this like expectation sometimes after you finish to want to um, go travel and live your life like to the fullest and accomplish all of your dreams that you never went for prior and all of these, you know, magical things. But I think it's okay to live in that gray area and like rebuild. I think it's so important to kind of take it slow and um, really start to just dive deep into who you are and what you want slowly. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be this like, you know, all or nothing thing. I think it's required to be in this, like, I don't know phase, you know, in order to figure it out. So I think that is a a good place to start at, you know, like you're, you, you're aware of where you are. You realize that you have things that you want to work on and that's it, you know, take one step at a time. And I think that is, I think that is great. And, um, but I would love to hear when you do have more answers, (laughs) as to what you want to accomplish. But um, now your coach, you said was, she's jujitsu. She's a jujitsu coach. Like she's a jujitsu mindset coach. Well, she, she's, she's a mindset coach in general, but her specialty is working with athletes and, and in particular jujitsu athletes. That's something that she's familiar with. She's worked with, she's worked with some friends of mine, um, you know, a lot of like high level competitors and, and things like that. And, um, so she really understands that just kind of, you know, the push through, like, no days off kind of <laughs> attitude, I guess you see with athletes sometimes, um, and understands the value of, like, sometimes that's not the answer. Like, you got to slow down and make things a little bit easier. And um, and she has some experience with loved ones with cancer, too. Um, so that's been just I think good to have a little bit of knowledge of just like who I am as a jiu-jitsu athlete and also like what it's like to go through the process of cancer yeah that is that sounds awesome to have that kind of support um I think therapy is awesome but if if you know sometimes it's not for you and the fact that you found something kind of like replaced that portion for your mental health as well as you know goal oriented conversations I think that's amazing I love that you're doing that um speaking of jujitsu I know you had mentioned like training throughout chemotherapy which is amazing you're amazing (laughs) um I I want to I want you to talk about that a little bit and even just jujitsu in general I want to know you know your I've, I've seen that you can, com- you've competed a little bit, but tell me more about like your jujitsu life. Like I want to know all about it. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I got into it just because I had an interest in like the self-defense stuff. And actually the thing that sold it for me was a friend of mine invited um, me and my husband at the time out to watch a tournament just to see what it was all about. And there was all the kids competing. And I just remember seeing like the first match and, the kid who lost just started falling and the kid who won was like holding him and comforting him and like and I just thought oh that's really cool like that's like unexpected you know I just I guess I hadn't seen that type of environment in like competition and that really 
made me even more interested in it because I am not necessarily, I mean, I'm a competitive person, but I'm also a very compassionate person. Um, and so um, I'm like somebody who is genuinely stoked if somebody beats me because I know what I brought to the table. And if they beat me, then like I'm stoked for them because they brought something better. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> that's something that I love about jujitsu. I have so many friends, like very, very close friends, like to the level of like family to me, people I love very dearly that I met for the first time taking hands in front of a ref. Um, <laughs> and so like my, my community of women in jujitsu has been just incredible. Um, yeah, I just started kind of like interested in self-defense. Um, my friend Tom was teaching my my ex-husband is military and we were living out in Monterey who was going through a language school out there and my friend Tom who's a, a friend of, of my ex-husband um he was doing a, it was like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club at the gym on post and I just decided to stop by with all these like you know 19 year old marine kids that were you know like just trying to kill each other and I jumped in there and tried it I loved it um and I was yeah I was hooked on it it was kind of my my coping mechanism when my mom was going through her cancer treatment and and then I was going through a divorce and um kind of a really hard year of my life and I trained like like an unhealthy amount my first year of jiu-jitsu and then you know, just made a lot of really great friends and got to know a lot of really wonderful people. And so it's also just been like a, a big social um, need met, I guess, like a, a family. And um, and I love to compete. I think it's really fun because I'm I'm five eleven. Um, I'm typically heavyweight division, which is you know, I don't know, not that heavy, like, I'm like 175 pounds. Uh, so I'm like the size of an average man, but it's like the women's <laughs> weight division. <laughs> um, so I don't necessarily get to meet a lot of women my size. There's a few really amazing female competitors here in Utah that are my size that compete at the top level, like one in particular that's phenomenal. Um, so I'm grateful for that, but I do have some women my size that are local, but you know, it's it's just, you don't get to roll with a lot of women your size when you're kind of at the, the bigger ends of, um, yeah. you know, the, the weight divisions. And so I love going to the big tournaments and I get like rounds with these like amazing women that are my size and age and, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to get back to competing. We'll see if that's in, in the cards for me, but it would it would be really cool to make that come back. I'm sure, yeah. I think um, for those of you listening, getting, you know, Molly's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, and that is a huge accomplishment, you know. Obviously, you are a diehard, you know. You, you were there every day with all of that going on in your life, but I want people to understand like the, the mental fortitude it takes to get to that level. And I think that really just shows, you know, life was setting you up, (laughs) you know, life was setting you up to deal with some stuff. And, um, you know, while 
obviously you don't want that and no one wants that for you, but you know, you are a badass human and I think you should know that, you know, and everybody here should know that because it is, um, that's a huge feat in of itself amongst everything else that you've dealt with. Well, I also just want to say though, I mean, like not taking away from the you know, the strength and, and things that I've been through, but I always just like to say, as a woman, as you know, like there's not, I'm not like some special person. Like I'm not, uh, like I am just a human being, and there's nothing about like me that make it so that I can do the things that I can do like every you know I've been involved in like doing construction you know I grew up doing construction I've been like I'm a carpenter like 20 something years experience I've done you know worked in the male dominated field I've done jujitsu I've done these things that maybe aren't as common among women um and I just always like to say like it's not because I'm like special or unique like every single one of you is capable of doing these things is capable of getting through cancer is capable of like all of this stuff there's not I'm just a human being um and I think that's important like you know not trying to like take away from what I've been through and what I've accomplished but I just I think that's important to say there's nothing special about me I'm just a person and and you can do it too well I I appreciate the sentiment but you are (laughs) amazing but that doesn't mean that you're not also just you know at the same you know on the same playing field as everybody else that is going through situations like this I completely understand what you're saying because you know I heard that a lot myself and I'm I didn't you know it's that is not the person that I resonated with when going through treatment, you know, like, um, I am just somebody who's surviving, you know, I'm just somebody who's trying to just make it through. So I completely get what you're saying where it's not like, um, you know, you're this like monster human, just like powering through treatment, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) but, uh, but I think that, I think it just shows to your character. Uh, a lot. So, and I appreciate that, especially for women too, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, you've clearly been in male dominated situations a lot in your life. Um, and even in jujitsu, it's not easy as a woman to make it that far too. There's, you know, they're, they're, it's growing, but it, it's definitely, um, you know, still like women are on the lesser side. So I think it's just a, an awesome accomplishment. Uh, now I, is there anything now? that you think that you'd want to say to somebody who's just starting treatment or um, something you, you wish you kind of could have told yourself in the beginning of it all? You will get through it. Just, there is another side to it and you just have to slog through it. You, you can feel anything you need to feel. Um, but there isn't like, there's no shortcut. There's no easy way. You just have to like slog through the mud. You got to pull your foot up out of it and plant it down in front of the other one. And you can't like, it really, you know, it's such a like platitude, I guess. Like, oh, one day at a time. You literally have to take it one day at a time. You have to. Like, it's just this moment, this day, this this hour, this minute, like you just have to get through it. 
and you're going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. It is what it is. What do you have control over? You know, all the, like, the stoic philosophy stuff, I think, is really valuable. Like, the, you know, even just, there's a lot of, like, stoic philosophy that's about, you know, look at the worst case scenario and, and, you know, really appreciate, like, envision the worst case scenario because that's going to give you gratitude for what you have right now. Um, you know, that you can make it hard. Um, you can make life as hard as you want. Um, sometimes it, it's a good tool to really, like, look at people who are living life with a lot more things stacked against them. Um, and you're, if you have access to medical care, you are golden <laughs> because there's a lot of people who are suffering and struggling. Their children are dying in front of them in their arms in the world today. And you have to remember that. You have to recognize that you have it so good. And that doesn't mean you can't feel bad and sad and angry and all those things. You feel all that stuff. You have a right to feel those feelings. But remember that you have so much going for you. If you wake up in the morning and you and you get to see the people that you love and, you know, don't suffer more than you have to because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do not suffer more than you have to. Um, well, Molly, I really appreciate your time. You know, you have some amazing insight. And, you know, if anybody wants to talk to you, is there any place that they could find you or reach out to you? I mean, I guess Instagram, I think, is the easiest. Um, I'm, I don't even remember what my Instagram handle is. Um, I'll put everything down yeah, in the description anybody, for you, yeah, you know, for, to reach out. reach out. Yeah, if anybody has questions or whatever, you know, I'm especially people who are going through breast cancer, like, go down to give my help and support in any way I can. Yeah, I think you do an amazing job at sharing your story on your Instagram. I think, you know, it's really um, good for those who are experiencing it to see the realness that you post. So I really appreciate that. And I think it's really good for the cancer community. So thank you for that. Um, but yes, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. It's so great to talk with you.